I'm going deep. I feel like Kalo on the Miami Heat. The words I speak off this sheet are like a three-peat. I don't just hop on a track. I bring running cleats. I'm a player for real, more than an athlete. Let my mama tell it. Could have ran for the Senate. Instead, I penned it for Donovan Bennett. I'm cemented. This a deep dive. In your headphones of a long drive. Up close and personal, just like you courtside. There ain't no out of bounds here. No offsides. We going live in one, two, three, four, five. You are now tuned in to going deep with Donovan Bennett. You certainly are. Thank you, Capital. Speaking of Capital, some promo. He's going to join us in studio tomorrow. Drop a little bit of a freestyle, if you will. Said I wanted to do something different with the space and the show, and so why not? The other thing I said I want to do with this show is talk to show. There are going to be times, occasions where it will seem like I got my feet up, lying back on a therapist's couch, just working out how I feel, what I think I think. And this, to start, is going to be one of those shows because I am in my feelings, both positive and negative, both bullish and gutted in terms of how I feel about our men's national team and the shift that they put in, the performance they put in, the performance not just by the team, by entire country supporting them. So I just want to get out those feelings. I, I feel like a lot of people listening who have been tweeting feel uh, the same way. Because, show I feel both immensely proud and bitterly disappointed at the same time, the same downtime. It is a sweet and sour uh, feeling for me. Uh, m- many ways. First of all, I loved all the scenes that I saw on social media, people wearing their red and white scarves up, singing the national anthem. Every bar, it seemed, in this country was having a viewing party, and many were standing room only. I love what that means for our economy, for our culture. We're going to talk about the business of what a World Cup potentially in this country in the future in three and a half years, but really right now with our team being in it, means later on, in the program, we're also going to talk to someone who's represented this nation at the highest level, but also, like us, was by a television watching, tweeting. Uh, Layla Fernandez is going to join us. We're going to go deep with her as Canadians are so proud of her and what she's done in her career. But we'll start with, I think, the result that everyone is still trying to reconcile Canada. Belgium, one nothing for Belgium, who is at the end of their golden generation. Canada's is just starting. But I have so many notes, so many feelings show. But the biggest one for me is in a group of four where every nation is higher ranked than Canada, where Belgium is the second ranked nation in the world. And it's not that long ago they were ranked number one. Canada has, after one match in 90 minutes, has the best performance, but is also at the bottom of the group. And I struggle with those two things. What are your feelings, having watched the team compete on the world stage for the first time in 36 years? Well, I think something you said is kind of funny is that 
you were very proud, but also bitterly disappointed with the per, with the, with the loss, not the performance, but the loss, the end result, a one nil loss. And I just I I think it's in, an interesting comment because who would have thought that before before the game started that a loss to the second ranked team in the world would leave you feeling bitterly disappointed, right? I think that that actually speaks to how much expectations changed, not just since they qualified. Uh, at at BMO, however many months ago, in in a, in a wintry game, but also just how they played in ninety minutes, essentially, and they played so well, starting off with a penalty kick, and then all the various kind of questionable calls that kind of uh, kind of rippled out from that point. But from that penalty kick that Alfonso Davies took, boy, Donovan, you could feel the energy wherever you were. I was, I had, I, we were at Cafe Diplomatico yesterday, and then I came back here uh, to the station and to the studios to get set for the actual game. So I was doing some more work a little later on. And the energy just on the streets as I was walking around, I walked past the studios for for some of our sister stations, KISS and CHFI, and there's like a giant wall of TVs, and the the uh, cafe was full of people watching the TVs. And I think you could see the national anthem be played with that kind of like the billowing, like trapezoid flag of, of the with the maple leaf on it. And I, I feel like for the, for me at least, even as someone who doesn't have the most intimate relationship with this particular sport, even I kind of felt like a little a little misty-eyed there, hearing the Canadian national anthem and seeing the flag on an actual World Cup field, some, something I personally have literally never experienced. It was pretty cool. It was very cool. Seeing, you know, the men, they were already belting out the <laughs> national anthem, like gutturally forcing it out was so uh, cool, uh, led by John Herdman, who... Uh, was screaming at the top of his lungs. Speaking of screaming, shout out to Brendan Dunlop, who you know, announced the, yeah. the starting 11 for Canada. So uh, the uh, sub-economy grows of Canadians getting you know opportunity to live out their dreams and do things they'd never imagined. It's bigger than just you know the 11 men on the pitch or the 26 uh, men in uniform. So that was cool. A lot of people have already come for Drake, however. And is the Drake curse real? Because the team came out of the tunnel to starting from the bottom. And many people feel like Drake has now cursed them in, in the Drake curse. What, was he wearing a jersey of like an opposing team? There or are, apparently, I haven't seen it, but apparently there are... Uh, Photos online of him <laughs> holding a jersey. I don't know okay, if he wore it. But can, a Canadian jersey. Yes. Okay. Uh, right. I believe it was a Davies jersey. Okay. Also, I mean, he did party with them after they qualified. He did touch the Great Cup last night, so I don't – can you can you <laughs> curse a league? I don't think so. I, Drake Curse is not real. He's been on the Warriors plane, and they've seemed to have been fine and win championships. But I, when you talk about the – He's a big LeBron fan, though, and look what happened there. A receding hairline? What, did, what happened? LeBron's like <laughs> one of the most winningest athletes of our generation. I, I really just mean in the Lakers era because uh, they have won. He did win. It, I mean, it was one, the bubble. Quote, it was quote unquote. It, it doesn't one. count. Come on, you're, you're supposed to be helping me work out my thoughts. You're, right. you're now getting you're, me you're right. off track and riled up. My bad. I promised in this space we would provide perspective. We wouldn't have sizzling hot takes we'd have some nuance and so i'm trying to tell myself with my rational brain dj not that i 
talk to myself in the third person. Listen, it, you would have taken a 1-0 loss to Belgium hours before the match started, even though I thought they could have got something out of the game going in. I, I did think uh, that there were points there, and I thought, and still do, quite frankly, Canada was going to get through, even though you should know that 89% of teams who lose their first match, the World Cup, in the group stage, does not advance. So it is an uphill battle, certainly. The 1-1 draw helps them a little bit. The fact that they're only minus one in goal differential helps. But here's why I struggle with that. Because shots 22-9, to Canada. Shots on target, 3-3. Shots in the box, 18-6. to Big chances, 3-1. to First 14 minutes, the chances were 7-1 Canada. And it was at that point when they were dominating and Davies took the ball and stood at the spot, which felt like an hour, was really around 90 seconds as the official was trying to get everyone behind the line before the kick was taken. I felt this is an opportunity. Belgium far from their best. Kevin De Bruyne, KDB said, I don't deserve man of the match. I didn't play particularly well, but so many Canadians did play well. Tejan Buchanan, Richie Larea were a menace down the wing. Jonathan David was good holding up the ball and bringing others in play. Certainly weren't clinical enough against someone like Thibaut Courtois, the best goalie arguably in the World Cup, in the world. You know, I know obviously Manuel Neuer will get a shout. Brazil has two great goalies, but he's in that class. But with 14 shots in the first half, most shots in the opening half without a goal since 2006, I felt like this is different. This is not Costa Rica, Spain. No disrespect to our CONCACAF brethren, where Spain had 81% of the possession and passed them off the park. Most possession in a World Cup game since 1966. These were athletically two equals and in fact, I felt tactically John Herdman got it right. So much so that Roberto Martinez had to make two substitutions at half, even though he was up 1-0 at half. Normally, you're, you're making substitutions at half because you're desperate to change things up. And quite frankly, they were. So that's why I'm gutted. I'm gutted because they deserved better. I'm also gutted because quite frankly... They may have deserved one, if not two, other opportunities from the spot. Yeah. Sixero joined us at Cafe Diplomatico, and he was bullish that Canada was going to get a result. Some people were blaming him on Twitter that he jinxed them. Relax. He, he has been saying that the Maple Leafs were going to struggle in the postseason for a while, and he, he was right. So clearly, there's no reverse jinx that happened, so I don't, I don't think Sid jinxed them. But he was stuck... On one specific moment, Richie Larea down the right side, in the box, no point to the spot, and maybe more dumbfoundingly, if that's a word, no light jog over to the screen to take a look. Take a listen to what Sid had to say to his Twitter followers. It was probably all of you about his disappointment in that non-call. It's very early here at breakfast television, but I can't stop thinking about this. I cannot. 
and I've watched it now maybe 30 times. It's one of the worst non-calls I've ever seen in soccer, and it cost Canada big. And if the only reason this wasn't a penalty is because Canada had a penalty earlier in the game, then that is ridiculous. So shout out Richie Larea. What a game he had against Belgium. And what a game Canada had on that side of the field. Carrasco and Vertonghen were just ruined by the end of it. So Johnston, Eustachio, Tiba, back to Johnston. He's going to find Richie Larea. And Richie Larea, right here, says, I'm going at Alex Witzel, who's got over 100 caps for Belgium, and quite frankly, is kind of finished. He's well past his prime. And his prime wasn't that great. So he has a go at him. He's fouled twice. He's fouled twice. Atiba Hutchinson reacts very strongly for a reason. He's fouled twice. Richie can't believe it. And they don't even call the ref over to the VAR screen to watch it. Here it is. One, two. That's two penalties. One, two. He stepped on his foot and went through the back of him. You gotta be kidding me. Croatia heads up Sunday, FIFA owes Canada a big call, and they better get it. That's a joke. I think Croatia heads up Sunday because Canada outworked, outran Belgium, and Croatia is older and less athletic than Belgium, but I do agree that's a stone-cold penalty. Some have said accidental contact. Well, I mean, there's no rule for interpretation in the rule book in terms of whether it was meant or not. If you, it's a foul, it's a foul. And, and to Sid's point, there may have been two fouls. Some have said Richie Larea was looking to go down. Sure. Hey, probably. But th this is part and parcel with playing the sport at a high level is that this is not simulation. This is accentuation of a foul that actually occurred. If we want to say that Tejon Buchanan potential foul shouldn't have been, I think they got it wrong because it wasn't offside. The best through ball to a Canadian attacking player all game was Hazard passing it back. I don't know where, but found the foot of Tejon Buchanan, whose foot found cleats that stepped on it. If you want to say the ball was touched first, fair, fine, fair enough. But Canada should have gone back to the spot at least once when Richie Larea hit the turf. To not even look at that again, given some of the VAR reviews that we have seen in major tournaments, makes no sense. But here's the other big question, and I don't want to be, you know, a hater, but I think it's a fair question. If we're going to be a football nation, we have to have honest and frank discussions. Should Alfonso Davies have been the one to step up to the spot and take that PK. Because as much as I wanted it to go in, as much as I didn't want to provide some bad juju, my thought was, I don't think he should be the guy. Yeah. He does not take penalties for his club side. He, quite frankly, is a left back. In this tournament, he's a left wing back. He plays striker in CONCACAF because he could do whatever he wants in CONCACAF. Jonathan David is on form and is one of the best strikers in the world and takes penalties for his club side. Stephanie Stacchio could pass the ball into the net with his eyes closed. There is so much 
pressure I feel on who is going to be the person to get that first goal for Canada. Is it going to be Canada's poster boy? We talked about it on the show. That first goal is going to mean so much that whoever scores it is going to have some brand partnerships. Oh, yeah. It is going to have their name in, in, in the record books, no matter if they were a massive player or uh, someone coming off the bench in injury time. And I wonder how much, as a competitor, that played into it, where other nations obviously aren't thinking about that. For me, that's something that should be decided when you go into the game. Some managers allow their players to decide on the pitch, depending on who feels up for it. Are you tired? Are you carrying a knock? Have you missed a bunch of chances so you're not confident? I feel like you should have a large sample size. Who's made the most spot kicks? If you're on good form in practice, you should take it in games. Jonathan David takes them all of the time. He would have been my first choice. He stacked, he would have been my second. It would have been real interesting if they were awarded a second, who would have stepped up and taken it. And don't get me wrong, full credit for Alfonso Davies for being willing to take it, stepping up, having to stand there forever, which I blame the official for, but also not wilting in the game after he missed he still played well afterwards. Broke a guy's ankles. It looked yes. Like, my goodness. But he, I think it's a fair question to you. I think it's a completely valid question, and, and I 1,000% agree with the assessment that Jonathan David should have been that guy. Um, selfishly, would I have preferred uh, maybe like an Osorio or something like that because I'm a giant homer? Yes, 1,000%. But Osorio wasn't even on the pitch. I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's, <laughs> show, it was never going to happen. show is subbing in Jonathan Osorio <laughs> to take the game. It was never going to happen. But I, uh, I, I agree that it should have been Jonathan David. But uh, And I also wonder, too, when it comes to asking that of Davies and and I guess the question was answered when he later played very well for the remainder of the game but how much of the injury would have factored into that the the hamstring and so on would he which he pulled during a Bundesliga game what like two weeks ago and he he looked fine like he looked fine on the pitch like immediately afterwards so I don't think it was too much of a question mark but I do wonder if that should have factored factored into it at all either but to your point over the last two weeks he's been doing everything to get physically fit to be able to to play and not just play, play well, play with energy and play for 90 minutes, which many people did not think was going to, many people didn't think he was going to start. Yeah. They were going to save his best for last. Well, do you, do you think then that the Alfonso Davies decision came primarily from a, he is the unquestioned leader of this team and therefore the first penalty kick for the, fir- for the first potential goal for Canada at a world cup ever should then go to this man. I take Jonathan Herdman at his word that he let the players decide it. Because remember, in their tune-up game, uh, Cavallini took the penalty and took it essentially away from Jonathan David. You can't tell me that in training, Jonathan Herdman said, okay, guys, on the whiteboard, Cavallini won, David two. Right. You know, I don't even know who else would have been on the pitch at that point. Junior Hoyle at three. Like that, there's no way that that was the order. Uh, but I, I think... It was important for Cavallini's confidence. So John Herbert knowing mind games, maybe he did. I, I think he wanted it, felt for it, and took it, and and that's the end. The question is whether or not he should. It'll be really interesting to see moving forward if Alfonso Davies is the man on the spot. And and if this team needs multiple people 
to take pens if they are in a scenario where that's going to be the difference uh, to end a game. The big difference for me, tennis on a positive note, was what I saw with my IG stories on Twitter, with my own two eyes, the watch parties, the joy, the conversation, the entire country stopped, which is great, you know, for our kind of civic feelings in, in our cities across the countries, but it's also great for business. That The thing I was thinking to myself is how many restaurants had struggled in the pandemic, struggled to get people to serve, never mind uh, struggled to serve the patrons, and they were not having an issue yesterday. I hope that Canada goes on a long run just to keep the bars full. And thank you again to Cafe Diplomatico for hosting us in showing really how to do uh, the World Cup right. You can go down there if you're in Toronto throughout the tournament as they've got watch parties. I was at a really cool one. Um, that Adidas put on. Uh, they're going to be having those throughout the tournament as well. But I wanted to find out, well, what is the impact of this tournament happening off schedule, but in a country that's excited for it always because we we're so international, but really excited that Canada is in it. And what could it be like in four years' time when we're hosting games? Mark Hollenberg is the chief operating officer of Moneris, and he joins to give us the economic breakdown, both for small businesses, but our entire country of Canada being back in the World Cup. Listen, as we go date with Mark Hollenberg. So Mark, I think the biggest question for me is looking at something we haven't really had an opportunity to see in the last couple generations, the men's national team at a World Cup. Here in Canada, the economic impact of that in your estimation will be what? Well, it's a great question, and uh, you know it is great to have Canada back in the World Cup after a pretty long 36 years. Uh, so many of us have had to rely on our ancestry for a country to root for, and now we've got our own. So it's definitely going to be an exciting X factor. So seeing Canada uh, play on the world stage could draw more fans and drive more spend into bars and restaurants uh, across the country when compared to 2018. And we've got lots of great data for 2018 that shows us you know, comparables. Well, you talk about that ancestry in World Cups. You're used to seeing Italy and Portugal take mm. over cities here in Canada. And that, you know, uh, certainly um, has been the case historically. But what has happened when big nations like those two heavyweights fail to qualify for major tournaments? Yeah, so in 2018, the, the last World Cup bars and restaurants in both uh, Toronto's Little Portugal and Little, uh, Little Italy saw an increase of about 15% in spend. So people, even if you're not rooting for one of those teams, you know those are the areas where there's a lot of activity going on. You'll see a lot of fans from different countries. So even though one of those countries, uh, Italy in this case, is not uh, in the World Cup, um, you know, still draws a lot of people into Little Italy to watch the games in bars and restaurants down there. Soccer is the world's game. How does the attraction to go out to spend, to enjoy around the World Cup compare to what we've seen in this country for other major sporting events? Yeah, there's definitely a different flavor for uh, these international sporting events versus uh, the local ones. I mean, for the local ones, you know, just a couple of uh, uh, views. So um, in Toronto for the, Jays, uh, the recent Jays wildcard series, uh, bar and restaurant spend was up over 50% uh, for both games if you were near the stadium. 
um, you know, during the Battle of Alberta and the playoffs, uh, the NHL playoffs, um, you know, we saw consistent uh, double-digit growth for bars and restaurants near the arena. So those are lo the local impacts. But when you look at, uh, you know, another comparable, let's say the Canadian Grand Prix in Montreal, uh, spend volume was up over 20% at bars and restaurants and foreign volume also, uh, you know, was more than double at bars. So when we think of the World Cup, um, you know, especially with the World Cup coming in, uh, in to Toronto in 2026 to, to Canada, um, you know, we're going to see uh, increases in spend, not just at bars and restaurants, but also tourism as a whole. Uh, so it does bring a, that international aspect brings a, a bit of a different flavor as well. So how, on the flip side, can businesses prepare for that influx of attention and customers? Because everything that I've heard from every service industry is that it's tougher to get workers you know, post-pandemic. Are there any best practices to make sure you're ready for the added attention? Yeah, I mean, the, I'll give you some recommendations from our online ordering and takeout solution, You Eat. Um, what they suggest was create a special theme menu to commemorate the event and pay tribute to your team, so plan in advance. Um, game days means appetizers, splurging on uh, some casual dining food, share plates, those types of things are a strong starting point for uh, any World Cup promo that you have. For online orders, consider volume discounts, uh, which appeal to family and friends who get together to catch the game. Uh, make sure you add your promotions to the packaging of your online ordering uh, and deliveries to drive direct sales. And then look to maybe partner with other businesses in your neighborhood uh, and consider some partner promotions. Those are all things that can help you maximize uh, the event. Now, in terms of uh, the resources and, and the staffing challenges, um, you know, a lot of companies have started to use uh, some, some other uh, technologies such as kiosks to help offset the you know, the shortage in staff that could happen. So you can uh, put in your order in advance uh, or uh, at the restaurant through a QR code on the table uh, to reduce the need for, uh, for wait staff or to reduce the demand for wait staff and those types of things. I know it's tough out there for a lot of restaurants, but there's some, definitely some technology out there that can help offset some of that. Yeah, I think there has to be an understanding for patrons as well uh, that um, the expectation um, might be a little bit of a longer wait um, as yeah. you're going through at such a busy time. You know, we're talking a lot about the impact of restaurants and bars, but I'd assume that there's a potential impact for other industries, whether it be sporting goods stores and the like. Are there any other industries that are part of the sports economy that will really be impacted in a positive way? Yeah, I think, you know, there's the, the adjacent... Um, businesses to um you know to for these sporting events also uh benefit from uh from these things especially if you're near an area like you know like some of the popular hot spots uh where the you know a lot of fans of a particular country will go and, and splurge at a restaurant anything in and around that neighborhood is also going to have a bit of a benefit from it and especially you know if uh, I'm not sure uh, Canada will have seen that this amount of uh, volume of uh, sales of their jerseys in quite some time uh, outside of the women's team in the Olympics, but uh, this is going to be a boon for them as well. Every time I watch the news, uh, I either hear that we are in or near uh, an upcoming recession. Could this increase in activity due to you know the World Cup help manage that? Is that the type of scale that w we might be able to expect? 
Yeah, it's it's. I mean, to, to your point, uh, you know, it's we're either near or in one, um, and uh, that's always a tough thing for any uh, for any business. But these events, uh, you know, definitely help pad the bottom line. Um, and so uh, I know in the past uh, the government has, you know, uh, has some precedent in terms of uh, allowing businesses, restaurants, and bars to open a little early and maybe loosen some of the alcohol sales uh, rules. So hopefully something similar is going to happen. Uh, this time around to, to help restaurants kind of, you know, offset some of the challenging economic news that's coming. And I'd be remiss if I have you, if I didn't actually get your take on what we'll see on the pitch as you are uh, a former soccer coach. Uh, how excited are you for the World Cup to be here and give us you know, your take on maybe what you expect to see now that Canada's uh, named their 26th school into Qatar? Yeah, I mean... Look, my heart is with Canada all the way. Uh, like many other Canadians, I've had to pick another country to root for over the years. I'm a huge soccer fan. I've coached the game. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my team up until uh, this time has always been Holland because my ancestry is Dutch. Um, so my, uh, but my heart is with Canada. Uh, but my, uh, my head and my wallet is probably uh, with Holland. But uh, I wish them nothing but the best. Uh, you know, let's start with a goal uh, to, you know, uh, build upon our last World Cup appearance, and um, let's keep soccer fun for the kids, uh, so that we can continue to have uh, a bigger talent pool to pick from, and then we can look forward to uh, 2026. Well said. I think if our Canadian team does well and maybe gets out of the group, it will be good for a lot of people's wallets, specifically in the restaurant uh, and oh, service industry. So uh, we look forward to it. Uh, thank you for giving us a great perspective. My pleasure, Donovan. That is Mark Hollenberg, the Chief Operating Officer of Moneris. After the break, we talked to Layla Fernandez, the highest-ranked Canadian on tour right now. Stay with us. My name is Lucille Bryan. I'm Clifton Bryan. My grandson is a show. And I'm so happy that you are listening to Gondi with Donovan Bennett. I'm so glad that you had the show. Thank you. I'm glad too. Shout out to my grandparents who moved here from another country so me and my brothers and cousins could have a better life. Same is true for Layla Fernandez and her family. And I look at the Tennis Canada rise in a similar fashion to the rise that we've seen in soccer, specifically with our men's team in the World Cup, because it was so improbable. When I was growing up as a kid, could never have seen it come, but it's come off the back of many first and second generation Canadians, just like Layla, just like Chapo, just like Felix, just like Bianca. So I wanted to talk to Layla about how she sees the rise of tennis in this country and how as the daughter of a former international football player, how she is viewing this World Cup. The young Layla Fernandez, she is something else. Sensational play from young Layla Fernandez. This whole young generation of Canadians are rising. So Layla, as you prepare for 2023, let's re reflect back on 2022. A great year, uh, another win at Monterey, it seems like every time you go there, you're, you're successful. How would you appraise, you know, the year as a whole and how you finished? Pretty happy with my year. You know, it's, it's been a, it's been a hard year with a lot of challenges with, uh, with the injuries, but 
you know, I think I learned a lot about myself and how I was able to come back and just keep keep a positive mind, knowing that you know the the body isn't where I want it want it to be, but still able to to compete at a high level and still able to put my best foot forward. And I was just super happy that I was able to finish the year healthy and just looking forward for 2023 and start the year strong. We've been I've been talking with with my team a lot and to see what I can improve on so that next year can be even better. You had that stress fracture in the year when you're dealing with it. Is it more difficult to deal with your actual health or the mental health that comes with injury? I think it's everything. Men- mental health, uh, the, the physically it's hard to come back to the to the fitness that I've, that I was before, but also emotionally, you know, um, it was hard to accept in the beginning that it was going to, it was going to take me a couple of weeks, a couple of months to, to get back to where I want, want to be. It's going to take a lot of time, a lot of patience. And I think I was just glad that I was able to get back, get back to playing in Toronto and then Cincinnati, of course, it wasn't the result that I wanted, but knowing that I was able to get back and see that the body is still strong and is still able to push push through those moments has given me confidence. And like I said, I've been talking a lot with my team so that 2023 can be even better. You've been really outspoken, especially for someone at such a young age, about balancing everything that's going on in your career and, and how that can be challenging mentally and the nerves and anxiety of, you know, performing at a high level. I wonder, what have you learned? What actual tips uh, would you pass on and how you've been able uh, to balance that pressure? The best tip that I can, that I, that I've received and that I can give is to prioritize what is important to, to you. You know, for me, what's important is health. Health is the most important thing and in, in, in like my my goals and every year I always look back and see what what I could have done better uh, not only for my physical health but also mental health and then afterwards once you prioritize that what's important to you then you can make decisions easily and it'll be hard to say no to a couple of things but it'll be good for 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 the future you, you know? You mentioned saying no to things and time management and with your rapid success comes lots of opportunity and it seems like every time I'm on Twitter or on TV, I'm seeing you as the pitch person for another brand, whether it's Avocado <laughs> for Mexico or Lululemon or Easy Post or Subway or Morgan Stanley or Google. Let me know if I've forgotten any. Uh, <laughs> but, but what? Don't forget Bond Luck. Oh, don't forget Bond Luck, right? You need, we, yeah. need our, we need our shades, certainly. Um, mm-hmm. when you look at those partnerships and making sure they're authentic, like let's say your partnership, um, with Google, what makes sense for you at this age and stage in your career, given that you're pulled in so many different directions? Yeah. What makes sense is that I try to partner with, with, um, with companies who have the same values, the same work ethic as me and the same goal or not exactly the same, but we see eye to eye and we want to, we want to better, better, better everything. So for example, with Google, um, they want to, they want to 
to like make make things easier for for people to get connected to 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 their family, to their work, um, to people internationally. And for me, I see that as as a positive. Like I want I want when I travel a lot, I want to be able to connect with my family easily. And Google has given me that 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 easiness, and it's and it's uh, and it's very refreshing. And they also like try to get better every year that their next set of technology will be better than the last. They try to correct their mistakes. They take my my input, the things that I do like, the things that I see like, oh, it could be better. And they put that into their to the resources. They try to they try to make their their phones, their pixel buds even even better than the last and that's that's exactly how i want i want to be as a person too not only as a tennis player so every day i try to be the best version of myself see what see what i can do better i criticize myself very a lot and um granted my parents have to have to tell me to calm down that you're you're very good right now just just uh, just be happy and i try to see See what I can what I can improve on tennis on and off the court. So I think that's a that's what I like about partnering with with companies. That's what I love about partnering with Google. That we always try to better ourselves for 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 the next year, for the next week, for the next uh, couple of days. You mentioned your parents, and mm-hmm. obviously your father Jorge, has a big role in your life, and, and took the you know Richard Williams playbook and applied it. Maybe not exactly the same, but but mm-hmm. but to you and what uh, you and you know your sister are doing in the sport. What is that relationship like with someone who you see as a friend, a father, but also a coach? How do you you balance those three different relationships? I think growing up, it was so growing up, it was definitely hard for me to to separate those uh, like the father and the coach, uh, the coach hat, but. I was I was very fortunate to have my dad that is knew a lot about sports and he played he played uh, he played sports himself so he was very he knew a lot about like the ins and out of a comp- competition uh, the team environment and then also when to kind of hold off on on being tough and just put on like the the dad hat and be supportive and giving me some 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 motivation to keep going. <clears throat> but honestly, every 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 single day, working with my dad not only as a coach but also as a dad has inspired me a lot because I see him how hard he works not only not only like on the tennis side on planning the training schedules the the practices but also physically like how 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 he does his fitness he does his own fitness and then he still finds the time to work out with me doing my fitness because i've i've always liked that we 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 do fitness together and for him at the age of 52 to double up every single day and not and and not like not be in a bad mood while he's doing it with me. He keeps motivating me, keeps giving me pointers how to how to improve. Has inspired me a lot that I want to be I want to be better. I want to I want to be able to get get to a point where I can do that to 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 other kids that if they de- if they need help that I can I can help them out in in one way or another. And then of course he's also like a good 
good like mental coach. He we talk a lot about the importance of mental fortitude and then the how to bounce back from defeat or bounce back from point and you know all his all his training from a very young age has definitely helped me now and I'm extremely grateful and I'm just so happy that he's still part of my team and he still finds the time to not only work with me but also with my younger sister. My younger sister also has big dreams and also wants to be be a tennis professional. So he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't like get tired, doesn't give a bad attitude when he has to do extra work for her. He's actually happy, he's motivated, he's excited. He wants to he wants his family, his three daughters to succeed in life and no matter no matter the situation he will always help us so i think that's a that's a like makes makes him not only a great dad but also a great coach and that mentality that he has as a former athlete people may assume because he's coaching you as a former tennis player he's a former football player from ecuador and quite frankly looks like he could still play but you know now you've you've got obviously the World Cup happening and, you know, mm-hmm. a split allegiance, if you will, as, as you watch. When you see competition at a high level in another sport that you love, um, how are you viewing uh, this tournament as a fan? Uh, well, I'm, I'm actually very, very excited. I love where we love football. We always watch, um, watch football game on the weekend or whenever we have time, we follow the score on our phones. Um, so I think it's like a good, healthy competition in, in our house to, or not even healthy competition, just family bonding. We, we sit in front of the TV the whole day and we watch soccer, we complain together, we cheer together. And then also he teaches me a little bit more about football, like the football games. What are the tactics? What are the mistakes that the teams are making? And which is so interesting because for me, like when I watch it, I don't see those holes. I don't see the, the tactical error. But when he watches it, he he sees them and then he explains it to me and kind of tries to interpret it in the tennis tennis mode. So it's always so it's always interesting for me to watch soccer, football with him. And I've always I've always loved love our bonding time watching football. Well, and you see how much the World Cup matters to the players and to, to, mm-hmm. to people like yourself and your dad. He, as you mentioned, wanted the best for his daughters. And at some point that meant coming to Canada uh, and providing. Yeah. Uh, w- w- given you know that choice and that sacrifice, what does it mean for you to represent Canada in your sport? What have those opportunities been like for you? All the sacrifices that my parents have made has is only so that their kids can succeed. And being able to represent Canada has has given me so much pride and joy, not only in in in, in representing Canada, in trying to make them proud, but also in my family and what what we've done to get to a point in life that I can wear Canada on my back and say like I've I've accomplished a little kid's dream to play for their country in in tennis in the biggest stage in the world and just enjoy the moment. So I was just I'm just so happy that I have given the opportunity to not only play tennis and grow, but also as the opportunity to 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 learn a little bit more about different cultures, to travel around, to 
to to experience life a little bit more and to to make new friends all around the world. One of those friends you happen to make is Billy Jean King, who famously obviously yeah. said you know, pressure is a privilege, but um, is such a huge fan of you um, and, you know, said great things, but also, you know, you're posting, you know, with your, you know, Pixel Pro uh, camera photos with her as if you guys are, you know, longtime besties. What does it mean to you to have the cosign from someone who's not just changed the sport, has changed sport, period? It's an honor. It's a, it's an honor to, to have met Billie Jean King, first of all. Every time I talk with her or every conversation we have, she has she always finds a way to inspire me and to kind of open my eyes just a little bit more to see what what I can do different so that I can not only help uh, the generation right now, but also the next group of kids who want to play tennis, um, how to how to how to inspire them and how to make tennis not only like an individual sport, but a team sport, um, have fans watch not only the men's tennis, but also women's tennis, like trying to find little ways so that tennis can be an international sport, maybe hopefully as big as football one day, that no matter which country we are, the fans and the stands will be filled with people who are cheering us on, no matter where, where no matter um, where we are, which tournament we're playing. So it's like, it's it's always an honor to be part of, of to be part of the conversation. I'm 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 just extremely happy that Billie Jean has taken the time to talk with me because, you know, I don't I see I see that she has she's very busy. She has a lot of things going on, and for her to talk with me, even just for like a couple of minutes, is it's truly a joy for me and I respect her a lot. And I know, I know how hard she, she worked so that the WTA can be where, where it is now and women's sport can be where it is now. And I just hope that we, us, like the, 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 the young, the young kids, uh, the young athletes can continue, can continue her work and try to make it even bigger for the next couple of years. Well, everything you said about her is also true of you. Uh, you are incredibly busy and you are extending her legacy. So thank you for taking the time. It's been an honor and a joy for me. Well, thank you so much for everything and uh, for this beautiful conversation. What was a cool conversation show? What was your biggest takeaway? Well, first of all, I think she's, what, 20 years old? Easily one of the most mature athletes I have maybe ever heard. It's phenomenal. It was a great conversation. Um, and, and it's great to hear her talking about the legacy of Billie Jean King, for example, and her own, the impact of her family uh, for, on, her, on her life and her sister's life. It, it's also just from a playing perspective, it is so incredibly difficult to find, I think, sustained success in the world of tennis. Like beyond, what, like a handful of names, like the Williams sisters, obviously, Serena and Venus, and on the men's side, I guess, like three guys and... Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic, like you don't really see a lot of the same names at the top for a long period of time. And, you know, you don't know, you never know what happens in someone's career, especially when they're as young as, as Layla. But at the same time, she is so talented and she does such incredible things every time she goes on the court. I just, I, 
again, I'm not the world's biggest tennis fan. I love watching her play and love watching Bianca play and love watching Felix and, and so on play as well. It's just I when it comes to watching these young athletes play, I, I wish them the best of success because it's it'll be really cool to see Canada treated as a as a quote unquote powerhouse in the world of tennis and Leila Fernandez is a big part of that. We have a long history of being dominant in hockey in this country, so much so that many people take it for granted. We need to have a referendum every time we don't win gold at a certain level. But what is cool for me growing up in this generation is you look at what we're doing on the tennis side, men's and women's. You look at the high bar our female soccer players have set, and now our men are at a World Cup. The golden generation of basketball players, both men and women, is strong. It is a fun time to be a sports fan because we are starting to pull our weight in sports that aren't quote-unquote traditionally Canadian. When's the last time we had a Major League Baseball draft where in the high rounds a Canadian wasn't selected? So enjoy it. Don't take it for granted. Uh, it's, a, it's a time. Time to be alive. This has been a time. Thank you for listening. Always appreciate you and appreciate the feedback. Keep it coming, whether it's via Twitter or in the comments. Like, share, subscribe, rate if you will. But most importantly, thank you for listening this long. I appreciate you. Talk to you next time.